Okay, fruit then. Fruit comes off of a tree. You're the tree. Well, you're the fruit. You're not the tree. We find in a tree, the, the trunk of the tree gets its energy from the root. And we're the branches. And our branch, as a branch, we get that off of the trunk. So when you go all the way back, everything that we produce is reflecting God. Because He's the one that gives us the energy. But we must tap into that all the time. So God then is the, the root, and Christ is the trunk, and we're the branches. And how well do we uh, align ourselves? Ephesians 4. Turn to Ephesians 4, verse 1. God does all the work. He's where the buck stops. But with us on a spiritual, uh, a local human level, yeah, it stops with us as an individual. Not with the pastor, not with our wife, our husband, our children, our friends. No, it's us. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore, Paul says, as the prisoner of the eternal, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where you're called. So here he was inspired to say, are you a fruit that grows every year, produces fruit every year? Do you have fruit growing on you every year? Or are you a, a this year, not next year, or today and tomorrow, or this week, or we have our ups and downs? No, he says, we have to walk worthy of that vocation that we're called. We have a, we have a calling. We've got to put our heart and effort into it. Uh, we're called what? To be children. With all lowliness, verse 2, and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing uh, one another in love. So we've heard a lot about that. Daryl keeps bringing it out in the past few sermons. He pinpointed out that our responsibility is to love each other. So we got to do it with meekness and forbearance and... and um, not criticizing each other. It's easy to it's easy to find your fault. It's easy to see the other person's fault. It's very difficult to look in the mirror and say, This is what you do. Yeah, I've tried that. Get up in the mirror in the morning, look in the mirror and say, This is what you did yesterday. Okay, let's go cover that one. Let's try another one there. Uh, but if we look at ourselves and not at the problems of others, we might bear a little bit more fruit. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. So we have to be, ourselves have to be unified in the Spirit. We have to. Then we can have that peace. And Daniel 9, I already brought up how he said, the church is confused. The nation's confused. The state's confused. The church is in confusion. And it don't make a difference where you go. We live in a terrible situation. There, uh, there is one body. When we come to understand, we're to be fruit. We're to be trees that produce fruit. We're to be trees that produce fruit. And our root system has to be in the right ground. So he said... Uh, 
we're, we're body one calling. Uh, and we, so there is one body, not a bunch, of, even though there are different. And, and this is frustrating sometimes to me because the church is not just one congregation. It's everywhere. And maybe because somebody doesn't attend with us here doesn't mean that they're not part of God's church. Because sometimes we take that approach. Um, the minister that I talked to uh, kind of pointed that out. Um, I talked to him over Patsy because she does listen to him all the time. And I kind of, I feel like I got a little bit of a cold shoulder because I have different doctrines than him. No, I don't. The basic doctrines that we hold are all the same. We might have a little different understanding on how to keep them. Okay? Because most people keep, I say, two Passovers. They say no. They keep Passover and they keep the 15th. And, you know, that's the way I see it. But they don't see it that way. So can I judge them based on what they don't understand? Well, that. That's the way it has to be. Verse 20. Let's go to, uh, uh, down to verse 22 now. That you put off concerning the former conversation, which is the former behavior. So God wants us to change the behavior, our way of life. If we're going to produce godly fruit, we've got to change from being in the world. Just have to do that. We have to... Focus on God. The, uh, so our conversation or the old man, which is corrupt according to the, the deceitful lust. So humanistically, we lust after things. And that's not what God wants. And verse 23, And be you renewed in the spirit of your mind. So we're to grow by Bible study, prayer, loving each other, Helping and serving, but examining ourselves every day. Examining yourself. I can remember back in the 60s, I was told I should, before I go to bed, examine my life that day. Pray about it. Try to see if I did good or bad or, or, or whatever. But to think about it, meditate on it, then pray about it before you go to bed. And you have a better attitude than maybe the next day. In verse 24, and, and that you put, off, put on the new person. So if I do that, then every day when I get up, I become a new person, a new day. It's a new day, a new chance. God is going to, if you repent, He's going to forget your past. He's just going to look at what you do from the future. So you put on a new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So God is pointing out that God is creating in you. Okay. It is the Father who's creating in you and Christ righteousness and holiness. So we have to go back with our whole life and reflect back that is, this is all about God. It's His will, not mine, not yours. It's God's will. So we do things based on God's will. 
And a Christian can only bear fruit by applying what? You're only going to bear spiritual fruit by applying God's Word. And you can't apply God's Word if you don't know it, if you're not studying it. So I had three points I wanted to basically bring out to show how we uh, bear righteous fruit or spiritual fruit, godly fruit. Beginning uh, John, we read this, John 15. In John 15, we read this at Passover. Covered it. John 15 and verse 1. Christ said, I am the vine, my Father is the husbandman. It's important to understand that. Every branch that's in me, uh, and every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. Which is fantastic to understand. It is Christ who we are to be tied to. It is Christ that if we don't have Christ in us, then we're not going to bear fruit. So the first point is Christ is the source from where we're getting fed. God the Father feeds Christ, Christ feeds us. So we have to be tied to Christ. And so I ask myself, is Christ in me? Or is it, do I do it Christ's way? John chapter 10, book of John chapter 10, we find that Christ is the vine. Here in John 10, he says, in verse 7, Truly I say unto you, I am the door of the sheepfold. So here Christ is saying, look, I'm the vine in chapter 7, I mean chapter 15. But in John chapter 10, verse 7, he says, I'm the door. If you're going to be a part of God's way of life, you have to come through me. You have to come through Christ. Verse 9 goes on and says, I am the door. Again, he says, I am the door. There's no other way to get spiritual fruit except through Christ. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So, he's the, he's the shepherd. He's the overall bottom line. So, we have to be tied. I have, we have to have Christ in us. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Here we find Thomas, one of the disciples, asking him, because Christ said, look, I've got to go away. I'm going to be gone someplace. So he said, uh, where, are you, where are you going and what's the way? And Christ answered in verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through me. So when we see it, we have to be tied to Christ. We have to be a part of what he is doing. In verse 
John back at John 15 verse 4 says, Abide in me. The word abide uh, from Strong's means to stay in a given place or to a state or a relationship or to continue or dwell or endure and remain and stand. So when he says abide in me, Christ wants us to abide in him, stay with him. Don't walk away. As so many over the years that I've seen had one man say, hey, I know where the church is, but right now I want to do something else. I don't think he would know where the church was today after it split up. I just don't think. Verse 4 goes on, and he says, I Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. That's important to understand. We cannot bear spiritual fruit on our own. We just cannot do that. He cannot abide of his own, except... It abide on the vine. We must be tied to Christ. No more can we, uh, can uh, you except you abide in me, Christ said. We have to be tied. We have to have Christ in us. It's just the other way. Verse 5, I am the vine, he said, and you are the branches. Very clear. It's very clear that he says, look, I am the source. You have to be with me. And accept, uh, let's see, I, you abide me. I am by you branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Can we grasp that? How important it is to, to be and stay and remain and dwell and all these things with Christ. It's extremely important. What else do we have to do then? We have to be tied to Christ, but we also, Christ has to be in us. It's said up there earlier in John chapter 1, verse 17. We abiding in Christ. Christ in us, and we got to abide in Christ. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Christ. So where do we get things? Where do we get the knowledge? We get it from God's Word. No man has seen the Father at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He declares Him to you. So, it is Christ that helps us see who God is. We must, by all means, do our part in following God. And the third thing, Jesus abiding in you, uh, John chapter 17, verse 3, 13, 23. John chapter 17, verse 23. In Christ's prayer, he states, he says, I have to be in you. Is what he's telling through the Father. He says, I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one. And that the word uh, world which uh, may know that you have sent me and that you love them 
as you have loved me. So he says, I have to be in you. Christ has to be in us. He's got to... So, if somebody looks at you, you meet somebody at work or uh, at the store or someplace, can they say, that is a godly person. That person lives with God. Verse 26, And I have declared unto them your name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them. And again, he says, I will be in them. He's asking the Father in his prayer for to be in us. Romans chapter 8. Very important. You need to read the whole and study the whole chapter of Romans 8. It's very, very good. Christ said in verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. So we have... We sin all the time, and, and the outcome of our sin is death. We know that. But Christ said, Paul was right, wrote, If Christ be in you, is Christ in me, then the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness, if Christ is in us. And again in Galatians verse 20, and 2 rather, verse 20, Galatians 2.20, Paul again writes, Galatians 2, verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I, uh, and the life, and the life which I live now, the life is in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, Christ in us, we have to grasp it. He did it because He died for us. He bought us. You know, we belong to Christ, to, I mean, to the Father two ways. We belong to the Father two ways. One, He created us. And the second way is He paid for you through the life of Christ. So, Christ, we have to be in Christ. If we're going to have spiritual fruit, we have to... We have to recognize that Christ is the vine and we are uh, in that vine and that vine supplies us and Christ lives in us. We have to grasp that and understand it. Christ lives in us. If Christ is abiding in you, you will bear fruit. If He's not in you, you probably won't bear spiritual fruit. You might bear physical fruit. And so much of the time people... In the church, and I've seen it in the church a lot, people seem to be godly. They seem to be doing things. But apparently there is a problem because Christ has said, I don't even know you. I, You know, they've said, hey, I've healed the sick, I've done this, I've done that, I've sat in services, and said, but I don't know you. Is Christ... In you, and are you in Christ? And are you tied to the vine? Or else God won't know you. The second point, the first point is Christ is the vine. We have to be tied to that vine. We have to be tied on that vine, and we have to be, the vine has, Christ has to be in us. He has to be feeding us. 
The second thing is, with an apricot tree like I had, and 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 uh, being a beekeeper over the years and working in orange groves, I watched them go through there and they just cut the branches back and and um, and the same thing with grapes. You cut them back, and there's a reason. They prune those trees that they will bring more. They will produce more, that they will grow bigger and stronger. So the second point is, God's pruning us. He's looking at you. If you have Christ in you and you're in Christ, then He's going to change you. He is the uh, master husbandman. Remember John 15, verse 2, God says, The Father is the husbandman. He's the guy that gets out there. He's the one that takes, gets the branches cut back and changed. So the second thing is God prunes us. It's not the first time that we find in, like in the New Testament, we talk about trees and being pruned and stuff. The uh, king of Israel, David, made some pretty bad mistakes. He committed adultery, killed his one of his best friends, one of the 30 that protected him through the whole time he was fleeing from King Saul. He took his wife, committed adultery, and then killed the man. And so there in uh, Psalm 51, his repentance psalm, we'll read a little bit of this. This is where David shows us that God does the pruning Psalm 51, beginning in verse 7. Here David recognizing the mistakes he made. Big mistakes. So we can make mistakes. We can sin. But if we have the same attitude that David had, then God will prune you. So he said, verse 7, Prune me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I thought about that this morning when I prayed and said, you know, God, um, I've fallen short. (laughs) I I would like to be like that. I'd like to have this type of an attitude. I would like you to correct me. But sometimes, you know, I also think, don't ask for too much. (laughs) Because you might get an answer you don't want. Verse 8, make me to... Hear joy and gladness, that my bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin. Boy, that would be fantastic to sit there and say, Father, hide yourself. Don't don't look at my sins. And blot out mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. So here David says, Prune me, Father. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit in me. Sometimes we have a pretty good spirit, you know. Sometimes we have a good attitude, and sometimes we don't. And here David reflecting back, I've got a bad attitude. I need, to, I need your help, Father. I need you to help me there. It goes on in verse 11. Cast me not away from your presence. If we took this type of a, an attitude with God in us or Christ in us and we're in Christ, and now we're saying we really want to 
produce the type of fruit that God wants. And so we say, don't cast me away. Don't drive me away from you. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. That's a scary position to find yourself in. So to ask God, don't, don't take my, your spirit, God. I don't want to go to the lake of fire. I want to be with you. Restore unto me, verse 12, and to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Then will I teach the congregation your ways. So if we're in the right frame of mind, right spirit like David, and the sinners shall be converted to God. So our attitude, if it's not right, we need to ask God to correct us, to prune us back so that when someone sees you, they say, that is a truly godly person. That person, that man, that woman, really is one who I can look to and say, boy, they, are, they belong to God. We can go on to read, if you would, not right now, but at home, read all of, or read Romans 10, verses 14 through 21, where God says, I prune you with what? With sermons? Yeah, the world thinks sermons are goofy. But God says they're not. They're, and He shows there in Romans that I select the people to send to you. They have to be called, not just anybody. You have to be careful. You just can't take anybody, any that might sound good. You've got to be like the Bereans. It might sound good, but you need to know, is it good? If you're going to be pruned, you have to know from God's Word, is that the truth? So, I just think reading those and remembering that God uses the ministry as a, as a tool to help prune us into His way of life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 and 17, God's going to prune us. He wants us to be, He wants to see us have fruit. He wants us, He wants us to have the fruit that is reflective of Him. So, first, second Corinthians 4, 16, 17. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That's how we're pruned. Paul was inspired to write that. For our light afflictions, so the pruning, our light afflictions, sometimes we think they're pretty hard. You know, Daryl's talked a lot about spanking children. Well, they're spanking us. Sometimes it's light afflictions. Sometimes it's not so light. But he says, but our light afflictions, for which is but for a moment works for us a far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. So yes, we're going to be corrected. He says that. He tells us he's going to correct us. Uh, in Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, 5 through 15, I'll, I'll just read parts of this. 
Hebrews 12, 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not you the chastening of the eternal, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. He said, God's going to prune you. And sometimes that pruning isn't easy. It's like when you prune, as those of us that have been parents, we've corrected our children. We didn't always want to do it, but sometimes we did it because it bothered us. It wasn't right. We corrected our children when it wasn't to our, it was, it wasn't what we wanted. It wasn't what they were doing wrong. And I have to say, I, I, I was very bad a lot of times. Very bad. Overall, I could see that the right type of correction is good. The wrong type is not so good. Verse 6, For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. So I'm going to prune you one way or the other. And if you're not going in the right direction all the time, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For the son is he whom the father chastens not. What? If you're, if you're not being corrected by God, you have to ask yourself, am I really part of God? You can read on the rest of that on down through 15. Um, God wants you to be a part of His family. He has something more on mind than maybe spanking or correcting, whatever it is. Broken arm, loss of job, loss of car, an accident. Some way or another, when we do something that God sees... That you need a little bit of change there. Sometimes it's easy. And sometimes it's pretty tough. But nevertheless, it's because God loves you. And He wants you to produce the fruit. And He has something more in mind. The third point is, what are we looking for in the future? What are we looking for in the fruit we produce? God's concern is not uh, that we're physically here. His concern, his overall bottom line is something fantastic. He, like if I, with my, with my apricot tree, I expect it to produce a lot of fruit. And I'm really excited when I see the blooms on it. Well, God is expecting a harvest too. And he's very excited about what he's wanting to be done. He's put a lot of effort into it. John 15, verse 16, You you have not chosen me, God says. Look, you've got to face it. You weren't looking for me. (laughs) I look for you. But I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. He's wanting that harvest. He's wanting this big harvest. 
and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, Christ said, Christ speaking here, he's going to give it to you. He wants this harvest. He wants you greatly to be in his kingdom. He wants you to be his children. Through the message to the churches. You go back and look at each one of those. Shows how much God wants you to be there. In Revelation 2 and verse 7, I'll read some of these. We don't have to write them down. You've read them before. You go over them. He that has an ear, let him hear. Verse 7. What the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life. God is going to do that. This is exciting to God, which is in the midst of the the paradise of God. He's going to give you that. Verse 17, To him that overcomes, I will give to eat the hidden manna. Not the manna that God gave to Israel on the ground, but the true manna, Christ. Real life. Real life. And I will give him a white stone in in that stone a new name which no man knows saving he that receives it. Do you think God's not excited? Do you think He's not looking to harvest more family? 26 through 28 of chapter 2 of Revelation. And he that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end. So it's a a responsibility. He's expecting you to keep going, not fall back, not quit. Keep to the end. To Him, I will give power over the nations. God's going to give this to you. He wants to do this. He is striving for that. And He'd be like a pot. He shall rule them as a potter, a rod of iron, and as a vessel of potter shall be broken into shivers, even as I receive of the Father, and I will give it to the morning star. We're going to have a tremendous future. Are we really looking for that future? Because that should be on our mind. Chapter 3, verse 5. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed with white raiment, right? which is raiment, which is righteousness. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So Christ is excited about this. Christ is wanting a, a crop. He's wanting a fantastic crop. Verse 12, To him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Can you imagine that? We're going to be a pillar? We're going to be the ones that um, people will come and look for? Did he not say there in chapter 1, I will make you kings and priests to our God? So we're going to be a pillar. And he shall go out no more. That should really excite us. And I will write upon him mine, uh, the name of my God. We're going to be 
Whatever God's name is, we're going to be called that. And whether you today have your name, like mine is Nichols, and uh, I gave that to my kids. He's going to give you His name. And you will be known by that name. And the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down from uh, out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him a new name. Verse 21 and 22. Behold, I stand at the door. So here talking to the Laodiceans. He, he even said, look, you guys are lukewarm. You don't, you're in the church, but you're not fired up. Or you're not out of the church. You're, you, you want to say I'm part of the church. You want to say I am Christian, I am godly, I am this. But you just take it lightly. You take it too lightly. But he said to those people, said, even to the Laodicean, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, you know, you're accepting to be pruned. You hear my voice and open the door. I will come in and will sup with him and he with me. And to him that uh, overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I have overcome and have sat down with my father in his throne. You think God is not looking forward to us? producing fruit to be into his way of life. So we can see, I've got some more in Matthew. Matthew 22 says, chapter, uh, chapter 22, verse 3. And he sent forth his servants. And this is talking about a wedding. What God's looking forward in the future. He's looking for that wedding. We, we, we've read about the wedding that's going to come. So he's looking forward to this wedding. And so he sent his servants out to call them and bid them to the wedding. But some of them didn't want to come. This is why God is excited. He's wanting his wedding, but some people just don't want to come. Verse 5 But they made light of it. Some people just don't think about what's going to happen. They took his servants. Throughout the years, the people he sent to prune us, to help us, to get the fruit, the right fruit. And they killed them. But the king, and it's no wonder that God gets angry. He got angry and he went out and sent us out to fight these people. And it's been happening for a long time, but... Things are coming. They're turning around. The wedding, God says, uh, is just about ready to happen. So the wedding is ready to happen. But he doesn't have anybody to fill it. So he's, he's wanting this wedding to occur. And he says, go out and find people and bring them in. We're the ones that he's found. Do we want to go to that wedding? Are we wanting that? Are we wanting to change? Do we desire to be there as much as God and Christ desires us to be there? Well, 
if that be the case, we are nothing more than a branch. Are we tied to Christ? Do you have Christ in you? And are you in Christ? That's a question we have to ask. So, we have to recognize, first of all, we've got to produce spiritual fruit. That spiritual fruit is produced if we are tied to Christ. Is Christ in me? I ask that. Is Christ in me? Is Christ in you? Am I allowing God to prune me? Yeah, I get... Sometimes, you know, you get a, a, a time when this doesn't look like anything's working right. Is it because God says, stop, take a look at where you are, you have, can you change? Are you going to change? Will you change? Well, that's what we have to recognize. Maybe God is pruning you. So we get a sermon that's really harsh and, and, and it hammers you down in the ground and you say, why? I'm always being beat upon. You're being pruned, maybe. God loves you. And if He loves you, He's going to beat on you. You know, if we look at a sermon and say, well, that was great for Nelson, or that's great for this other person, or these other people, that's, maybe we just are not wanting to be pruned. Because all sermons should be there to help us to grow and to produce spiritual fruit. And the final point, are you really, really excited to be a part of what God has planned. To be in the kingdom of God. You know the first fruit, Revelation chapter 14, the 144,000, the virgins that God calls virgins because you're not tied to this world. Christ said, the way to eternal life is a very narrow way. The way to eternal death is broad. That's a way that you can almost fall into. New car, new job, lots of money, uh, friends, uh, a great place to live, as opposed to how many of the, in Hebrews 11, how many of those people that we read about there were really, really uh, taking it easy when many and almost all were killed. The way to eternal life is narrow. The way to having spiritual fruit is to have be tied to the vine, have Christ in you, let Him teach you, prune you, correct you, and have the excitement to be a part of the family of God.